0: From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams.
1: One of my favorite series, especially for, for my generation, is the Harry Potter series. I've read them. I've listened to them. I'm starting to read them in Spanish. I've got Harry Potter wands all over the house. I love things, Harry Potter, but there's so many lessons you can learn from there Dumbledore, such a noble individual, the way he interacts, the way he guides, the way he leads people. Professor Snape, um, we all think he's evil, but you want to talk about quiet dignity. Find a book you enjoy and read it. Try to find something that you can apply in your life.
0: That's Oscar Moreno, Market Director of Physician Services at LifePoint Health, talking about leadership lessons he's learned from Harry Potter. We'll hear more from Oscar in just a moment, providing us additional leadership insights from books, mentors, and good old trial and error. But first, a word from our sponsors. Spend more time doing what you love caring for patients, and less time on clinical documentation. The Nuance Dragon Ambient Experience, or DAX, captures the patient's story securely and accurately to automatically document at the point of care. Visit nuance.com DAX on demand to see DAX in action and explore how DAX can transform your organization. As the second largest expense for most businesses, employee benefits costs impact the financial health of your organization. Gain a competitive advantage by joining MGMA Benefits Plus for a forward thinking webinar that addresses cost containment strategies in employee benefits. The free webinar is Tuesday, June 28th. Go to mgma.com slash events to register today. Our guest today is Oscar Moreno, Market Director of Physician Services at LifePoint Health. Oscar's here today as part of our Leadership Insights podcast series. He'll be talking about mentors, cognitive biases, and ways of learning, including the wisdom he's gained from good books. Well, Oscar, thanks so much for joining us on the MGMA leaderships podcast. Uh, So glad to have you back on our podcast
1: series. Thank you for having me. It's great to be back.
0: Yeah, as I was mentioning, we are going to be talking about leadership today. Uh, This is part of our new podcast series that we launched earlier this year. As I've done with the other people who have joined us, I want to set the stage here then. So how does Oscar Moreno
1: define great leadership? Very often we hear managers say, I'm the boss. People must do what I say. Even if we don't hear them say that out loud, many managers do feel that way. Additionally, many managers feel they need to be the smartest one in the room and the one with all the right answers. That's the difference between a manager and a leader a leader knows, respects, and utilizes each individual's strengths and weaknesses in order to create achievements. A leader isn't interested in being correct. Rather, a leader is interested in ensuring the best ideas are brought to light and then executed. Some of the words you'll frequently hear with successful leaders or defining leaders is servant leadership, agile leadership, someone who's genuine and then someone who displays humility. Thank
0: you for sharing that. So let's just back, let's just back up for just a second. Then let's dig a little bit into your career as a leader Uh, going over some of your CV here. You have your CMPE. You're currently market director of physician services at LifePoint Health. Um, Let's go back into Oscar Moreno's career, then what set you on this career path. Give us just some of those highlights that got you to where you are today.
1: Sure. Uh, Life handed me in healthcare administration. It was not something I had ever planned on, and it actually took me quite a while to come to terms with it. I spent my early years living overseas. I lived in El Salvador, Chile, Uganda, doing some nonprofit work. And always thought I would be working for a nonprofit organization. Fell into healthcare by accident and quite enjoyed it. Decided to move into nursing school. That quite didn't work out for me. And then in the back of my head, I always remember something one of my professors from nursing school told me, Dr. James. She said she didn't like nursing. She was a professional triathlete. She said but nursing is what she was good at. So decided to go back into healthcare administration, thinking I'd eventually find my way into nonprofit work again. And then a couple years ago, I was reading a book. Um, I didn't feel that in healthcare administration I had an impact on healthcare. Sounds funny saying that, but I read a book from a CEO that said. In his role as CEO, he was directly responsible for the care of X amount of patients. So I dug into our reports and I found out at this little practice I was running in Florida that I was responsible for the health of over 10,000 individuals in my community. And that was just kind of a wake up point for me. It's, wow, I can really impact the community because from my studies, I learned that healthcare and education are the two ways to raise standard of living and healthcare administration fulfills both of those purposes. Wow. And so Uh, sticking with healthcare.
0: (laughs) That's a great story. And I I heard you slip in mention of books in there. And uh, I know that you and I have talked offline. We've talked in, uh, I believe it was San Diego as well. We're both I hope I can use this affectionately. We're both book nerds. We love books. We've <laughs> taken so much information and, uh, learned from books, been entertained by books. So, uh, be forewarned everyone, we may go into a deep dive on books and how a lifelong love of books can help with leadership as well. So, um, So that is going to be part of this discussion. But first, uh, Oscar, I do want to ask you about mentors. So um, have you had mentors that have helped you along the way? And if you have, uh, tell us a little bit about that experience.
1: My whole life, uh, mentors are key to not only professional development, but personal development as well. Whether we recognize it or not, everyone we interact with has an influence on it. And it's usually the people who we don't want to have an influence on us that does. I worked with one provider once who um, was very influential on my career, but it's because he set the example of what I did not want to become. So though it was not a mentor I personally chose, he was a mentor nonetheless. Now, I've had more positive role models growing up, of course. Everyone always wants to thank their parents, and I especially do. My uh, dad had a very successful career, and I didn't realize his, I didn't realize how smart he was until I got into business school, and I needed his help for everything. It's like, oh, <laughs> man, dad, you're, you're a pretty smart guy, <laughs> and he has shaped my leadership style, my sense of humor, the way I interact with people, and very grateful for that. But there's so many more um, people out there, CEOs that I've worked with, my friends that I went to university with. We talk at least once a month over our careers, even though we're different industries, um, just our interactions shape the way we interact with others. And uh, yeah, mentors are always a wonderful resource to have. They can tell you when you're being smart, when you're being dumb. And it's always great to have that.
0: Yeah, I want to ask you one more question about mentoring then. So with mentors that you've had, depending on what that relationship is, whether it's a parent or like you said, a CEO or a peer, um, you know, sometimes we get caught up in that idea of, oh my gosh, I don't want to ask this question because it might be perceived as a stupid question. <laughs> and then you say, well, there are no stupid questions, but, um, How do those relationships work for you? Because it seems like you've really utilized those mentorship uh, relationships. Do you just, do you set up an appointment for a cup of coffee or something? Do you just call them up on the phone? Do you, what do you do to kind of start that conversation so you can get the help
1: that you need from that mentor? A little bit of both. One day... I was throwing a party in my dorm room. I had just a whole bunch of people over. We cooked tacos, I think it was. <laughs> and one of our friends we hadn't seen in a while—he must have been on an internship—came through the door. And my best friend asked him, "What is it that you're up to? What is it that you're doing? I need to know what you're doing so I know how to support you." And that seeing that one interaction completely shaped the way I worked with others. Instead of it being, "Hey, have you noticed I'm doing this?" It's hey, I would like to support you in this role. If I were to do this, would this be a hindrance or would this help you progress? And that helps you with both your subordinates and your superiors. It helps you manage relationships and it becomes more servient than self-serving. People are willing to help you out because you're willing to help them out. So whether that's a, hey, let's go have a cup of coffee together and sit down and talk about this, versus, hey, I came up with an idea that I think might help you in your field, just a cold call. Um, Those usually end up shaping into lunches, end up shaping into, you know, I don't have time to talk about it now, but let's go for a walk after work. My favorite was um, our CMO at Gulf Coast in Florida. I had asked him some opinions about healthcare leadership, and he kind of just blew me off. I was like, mm, whatever. He ended up calling me that night and saying, meet him at one of the fanciest restaurants in town. And over oysters and soda, he just gave me his insight and the leadership and recommended that I spend a lot of my time writing and talking and that has uh, helped as well. So yeah, interactions, any way you can get them. Um, as long as you're trying to help other people out, you won't have a stupid question. They'll, they'll let you know how it'll shape what you're trying to accomplish.
0: That's great. Uh, that is great advice. Um, so I do want to go into that other mentor, uh, and that's the book world. Um, so we talked about the human mentors, but they are also books can be mentors as well. If I can uh, be anthropomorphic there and give <laughs> give give books a little more their due. So let's talk about books then. What are what have been some of the books uh, or a book uh, that has shaped your leadership style your
1: leadership skills um tell us about that so many books are amazing i'm not well i am a book nerd um there's no (laughs) denying that i don't have a goal of reading a book a week a book a month mine's just i'm gonna have a book i'm gonna read it i had a professor when i was at byu marta adair in my mind she's the smartest lady on the planet she's amazing um great world knowledge, super encouraging of her students. And best of all, she drove a Harley to work. (laughs) She always told us that she never felt like an intelligent person. And I could relate to that. And she said she overcame it through reading. Asked her for a book recommendation, read it, told her I read it. And a little conversation spoke up on, uh, sparked up on there. So it wasn't necessarily the book that I read that I got something out of it was the relationship I was able to build off of reading a recommended book. It gave us something to discuss and it built a professional relationship there. I was then able to go and take that book to somebody else and start a little conversation. I learned how to discuss, how to think critically. For one specific book, I am a big fan of Brian Tracy. Mm. He has two books that I recommend everybody read If you're not a reader, these would be the two books you would have to read in your lifetime. He has one called No Excuses. And he has one called Eat That Frog.
0: Yep. Yep. I know them. And I I met Brian Tracy many years ago. He was a keynote speaker at an event that I was um, hosting. And he handed me a copy of Eat the Frog. And I went, Oh my gosh this is the book so I totally I just had to jump in there and he, he is brilliant <laughs> he's wonderful so please keep keep going where you were going Oscar
1: yeah, he, he, I I would love to meet him I got to meet Stephen Covey once and that was a wonderful experience I mean, he's a great writer as well the um but yeah Brian Tracy he talks about prioritizing and it's not about becoming this brilliant person. It's just about using your resources and organizing yourself. Another good one, uh, bestseller right now, if you wait in line for his audiobook on the library, you'll be waiting for about six weeks, is Atomic Habits. Um, I can't remember the name of the writer, the author, but it's a brilliant book. Even if you read just the introduction or the first chapter, you're going to get so much out of that. Beyond books, we have other forms of literature. We've got podcasts. MGMA has a huge wealth of podcasts. The other day I listened to one by Petria and she spoke about having a virtual front desk. Though I may not apply all of those principles and I may not apply them now, I'm able to think about those. I'm able to have those sitting in the back of my mind. So when an opportunity arises for me to implement one of those ideas, I already have that foundation. Amy Lafkoe also did a podcast um, talking about creating proper environments. So even though it's not something I have time to do right now, it's not a priority. It is on my priority list, and it's something I can constantly think of. Let me pull up some stats that Brian Tracy had talked about in one of his books since we just talked about him. Mm -hmm. His argument isn't to read a book a day. His argument is to be aware. He says that if you're listening to an audiobook in your car for 30 minutes a day, let's say 30 minutes a day, five days a week, 52 weeks in a year, that's 130 hours a year of books or podcast. If each book is averaging about eight hours, that's 16 books a year you're listening to just in your daily commute to work. So you're building this knowledge, you're Building a foundation, you're going to discover issues you didn't know you had. A couple years ago at one of our conferences, we, someone talked about no-shows. Mm-hmm. I always knew no-shows were a problem, but I didn't realize it was my problem. The individual spoke about how if you schedule a patient within X days, your no-show rate is this. If you schedule it a week out, your no-show rate doubles and so on and so forth. I didn't know that was an issue of mine. I was able to take that knowledge and increase net revenue, increase visits, increase patient satisfaction by that one little thing I heard in a conference talk.
0: Well, let me ask you about books then because it can be daunting. You, you gave some great uh, examples, some great selections for people. Uh, Brian Tracy's two books. I will put links in our episode show notes. Also, Atomic Habits. I had to look it up but while Oscar was talking, but that's by James Clear. It is a bestseller right now. Oscar, I actually have that one on my uh, shelf that's just above uh, my computer screen here. I've got, um, let me count them. I have 12 books that I am going to read this year. <laughs> They're all leadership or emotional intelligence or some form of personal growth um, that I want to read. A lot of them are about, as you were talking about earlier, critical thinking. That's one of my goals this year is to really improve my critical thinking, critical analysis um, when presented with issues or challenges or problems. So that's uh, Atomic Habits is on my list. But I wanted to go to you then and follow up and ask you, how do you make these selections? Are they recommended to you by peers or mentors? Are they just because you do love books you just kind of get out there and you dig around and do some research yourself how do you decide what you're going to read next or five books from now what's how does that process go
1: so i'm going to answer you a little indirectly on that i'm going to rewind a little bit (laughs) my mom always told us growing up you need to have books in your office because people will think you're smart She also, like warned your me to, <laughs> she, was a, she was a special ed teacher. She also warned me to never open my mouth because then people would realize I'm not so smart. So just let them presume it from my bookshelf. <laughs> I've always kept books on my desk. Sometimes I'll listen to a chapter in the car. I'll get to work and I'll highlight the key points so I can use it for reference later. I hated reading when I was little. I don't think any one particular book is going to be a game changer. Um, sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. I recommend reading whatever you enjoy. You can, if you're looking at the principles in the book, you can learn a lot. One of my favorite series, especially for, for my generation, is the Harry Potter series. I've read them, I've listened to them, I'm starting to read them in Spanish. I've got Harry Potter wands all over the house. I love, things Harry Potter, but there's so many lessons you can learn from there. Mm -hmm. Dumbledore, such a noble individual, the way he interacts, the way he guides, the way he leads people. Professor Snape, um, we all think he's evil, but you want to talk about quiet dignity. Find a book you enjoy and read it. Try to find something that you can apply in your life. My second recommendation would be if someone shows you a book that they like, read it. Ask them, what is it you like about it? You will build trust and confidence with them. I had a a doctor in Florida that I worked with, Dr. Don Davis, a a cardiologist. He had texted me an audio book on one of my road trips, downloaded it, listened to it. Ego is the enemy. Um, Phenomenal book. Reading it gave him confidence in my ability to work and collaborate with him. It built a new level of trust. It gave us something to talk about while we were waiting for other physicians to arrive to meetings. So it wasn't necessarily the principles I got out of the book, which I did get great, great learnings from it, but it was a relationship I was able to build. A lot of books, especially these uh, business development books, they have footnotes. Look at the footnotes. If you like a principle that's in that book, look at the footnotes and see what book they got that information from. Everything I talk about is not an original idea of mine. It's something somebody else came up with. I got my ideas and my knowledge base from other people. So other people do that same thing when they write a book. It's not all original ideas. It's original format but they had to get those ideas from somewhere. So I look for those sources.
0: Okay. I love that you brought up Harry Potter as a template, as a teacher of leadership development and leadership skills and just life lessons as well. And because I think there are those very specific business books, we were talking about them, The Brian Tracy series, um, books like Atomic Habits, books like Ego is the Enemy, they're very specific for that personal growth and uh, business leadership, business growth as well. However, in the fictional world, because you're being entertained as well, you're going, you're immersing yourselves into uh, a new world, a new universe that's been created by this author but they can intersperse that with incredible uh, leadership lessons and life lessons as well. Anything else you wanna add to that? Cause I am so grateful that you brought that up. No, there's nothing else I I need to add to that. I think we've covered it all. Okay, that's great. Um, Oscar, you and I were talking offline um, and really shaping our discussion here and you brought to my attention something called the Dunning-Kruger effect. I'm going to be honest. I had to uh, Google that. Google's our friend when we see a term <laughs> we're not familiar with. So we have been talking about uh, a love of books, um, being book nerds, etc. cetera. But I want you to tell us about this Dunning-Kruger effect, what it is, what it means to you when you first heard about it.
1: I first heard about the Dunning-Kruger effect in the fall conference in San Diego. I believe Amy was the speaker, but I don't quite remember. Um, When she talked about it, I went and texted this to all of my coworkers, all of my friends. Um, It's something we all know of here. Google defines it as a cognitive bias whereby people with limited knowledge or competence in a given intellectual or social domain, greatly overestimate their own knowledge or competence in that domain relative to objective criteria. So it's people with limited knowledge who think they know more than what they actually know. These individuals don't want to go with best practices, they're not reading, they're not improving their mindset. Reading, listening to podcasts, It helps you understand that you do not know everything. It's very, uh, it produces humility. Mm -hmm. It helps you to understand that others have ideas as well and helps you to become a better leader. It helps you to also not take offense when people correct you because you realize your knowledge is based off of what you've learned and your experiences and other people have different experiences. So this reading builds a foundation that allows you to learn more, recognize more, constantly be able to search for ideas. It puts you in a mindset that helps you to tackle things that come your way that are totally unexpected, like COVID or natural disasters. It helps you when someone comes to you with a phone problem. For example, hey, we're getting 10,000 phone calls a month. I need to hire more staff your brain can revert back to these things that you read and said, okay, staffing may not be the issue. We're having a lot of phone calls because maybe going back to what we talked about earlier, no-shows. We have a lot of no-shows and those patients are calling to get back in. So if we address the no-shows, maybe we can help reduce incoming phone calls. It helps you to become creative and not so narrow-minded with your solutions. Okay. Okay
0: when you've had that uh, Dunning-Kruger effect where you've seen that, well, you know, maybe there is a uh, room for additional growth for me, a humility type of mindset where, um, hey, I don't know as much as maybe I thought I knew on this particular topic. How have you addressed that? What have you done? Have you gone back and Actually gone to the source, talked to someone who may be an expert in this topic, or have you found a book or a podcast or called up MGMA and asked us, you know, asked one of our consultants or some other expert, you know, hey, maybe I need to know more about this uh virtual desk uh, process that Petria McKelvey was talking about, or maybe I need to know more about emotional intelligence like Amy LaFko or someone else was talking about, and then you dig in. So where have you been confronted
1: with such a experience, and then what have you done with it? Well, there's been so many cases of that. I read an article through Harvard Business Review. I, I wish I kept the article. I, I don't have it anymore, but it talked about learning how to think. I was faced with a decision about two weeks ago. And there was two very good answers, but each answer did something that the consequences that would come from it, I I didn't like. So I called our area vice president of contracting. And my question to her was, these are this is my my opportunity right now. These are my two solutions. These are what I found my downfalls to be. Um, I need you to teach me how to think in a situation like this. And so she was able to walk me through her thought process and realign my thoughts with what we were actually trying to accomplish. So she redirected my thoughts, gave me some new ideas I had never thought about, Which I then went and did just a quick little uh, search on NGMA on the the websites with the different insight articles. And uh, one of the ones I really love to read are the the fellowship papers. And um, I had someone teach me how to think, how to realign my thoughts, because I knew it wasn't a strength of mine. And then with that information she gave me, I went back and did the research on top of that and realized that my thought was based off of personality, whereas I needed to think more in systems and what we were trying to deliver.
0: Um, Oscar, we have time for, I think, two more questions. So one of those is um, you have utilized several of the resources at MGMA. You earned your CMPE. Um, Our podcast audience is made up primarily of practice leaders, and some of them have Earn their CMPE. Some of them have uh, considered it, and it, it, this is not per se an infomercial for people to join that. But I did want you to take a moment to talk about what a program like that that offers—you know—that uh, has the our body of knowledge, our books that help guide and lead people to help them through that course and just help them on their career as well. How those things have have helped you on your career path?
1: So let's jump back to Brian Tracy, who we talked about earlier. In his book, No Excuses, he talks about being in the top 20% of your career field. That doesn't always necessarily mean you have to be the vice president, chairman of the board of some huge corporation. It means of your field. So for me, at the time, that was being a practice manager. I wanted to be in the top 20% of my peers. Also in his book, he talks about, in order to accomplish that, you need to be attending conferences, belonging to professional organizations and contributing that way. And I I took that to heart and started doing that. I discovered then about the opportunity to take the the certification test, bought the Body of Knowledge series books and realized there were so many useful tools in there. Highlighted sections in the book, Bookmarks things, put little notes in there, created a timeline for me to go back and implement those projects. So, earning the CMP status was great because it was a learning opportunity. Um, passing a test that hard is also very, very satisfying. Um, what came of that wasn't necessarily the credential behind my name. It's great, I don't ever put it on my email or my business card but the tools that I learned whenever my boss comes to me and says, hey, how are you gonna fix this barrier? I put up my SWOT analysis on the board that I learned from that book. We use other tools on that. And then it kind of labeled me as an expert in the field. So my boss would direct my peers to come to me to kind of help map out some of those ideas. So very useful from that standpoint. One of the books, Um, I don't remember which one it was, it really didn't have application to my day-to-day life. However, the understanding that I gained from it helped me to be able to improve my relationship with the different players within the hospital, directors in the hospital, even though I don't work in their department. and helped me to collaborate and appreciate the work that they do and help me become more supportive of them, which in return, help them become more supportive of me. So that wide breadth of knowledge helps you to cooperate with people better and just create a better system, deliver better health care, and really provide for our patients. Okay. So as a final
0: question, then I know that there's a lot of different ways to lead. There are a lot of different leadership styles. You've been talking about yours, um, how things have worked for you, but as you kind of summarize some final thoughts on leadership. What advice do you want to uh, share with our listeners who may be at any path along the way in their career, and their leadership uh, ladder, so to speak?
1: Gratitude and humility. Always be thankful. Always be grateful for contributions that people are willing to give, even if they're not great ideas. Take their contribution and say, that is a brilliant idea. I like where you're going at. Can you please go read a few articles or bring me some literature on it? That way we can discuss it further. That helps them to recognize their own fallacies and their argument without you having to pinpoint and say you're wrong. Think of the way, you know, golden rule. How do you want to be treated? Make sure you're encouraging and treating people that way. Take every opportunity you can to learn. Not only are you learning more, but it demonstrates to all of those around you, superior, subordinates, peers, that you're not just trying to be right. You're not just trying to do something for the sake of doing it. You're really trying to improve a process in a system. You're really eager to implement the right system. Southwest Airlines is a great example of that. T-Mobile with their customer service pods across the country are great examples of that learn from people who are successful. To be successful in life doesn't mean you have to be this brilliant genius. You have examples of other people who've been successful. You get that information from reading. Do what those people have done and implement it in your life. Help others implement it in their lives as well.
0: All right. Well, Oscar, it has been such a joy to have you on the MGMA Leaderships podcast. And I can't wait to meet up with you again at a future event and learn and find out what you have additionally learned in the (laughs) interim. So uh, you take care and thanks so much for joining us.
1: Wonderful to talk
0: to you again. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guest, Oscar Moreno market director of physician services at lifepoint health we'd also like to thank nuance and mgma events for sponsoring this week's show the nuance dragon ambient experience or dax captures the patient story securely and accurately to automatically document at the point of care visit nuance.com/dax on demand to see DAX in action, and explore how DAX can transform your organization. As the second largest expense for most businesses, employee benefits costs impact the financial health of your organization. You can gain a competitive advantage by joining MGMA Benefits Plus for a forward-thinking webinar that addresses cost containment strategies and employee benefits. This free webinar is Tuesday, June 28th. Go to mgma.com slash events to register today. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. And to access all of our podcasts, go to mgma.com slash listen. And if you want to add to the conversation or suggest experts for us to interview, email us at podcast.com at MGMA.com or you can find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. Stay safe and thanks for listening.